He created the stars. He created the mountains. He created the seas. And he, the creator of the universe, created me. Appreciate it. That uh, $10 I paid Dustin, that was money well spent, I believe in that. It was good. Yeah, well, like he said, my name is Jeff Lister, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, it's just been awesome to be here. We're new on staff, and so it's been cool to meet so many of you and get connected and talk to you. And I just want to throw this out there. Um, yes, I am a Bears fan, and, um, and so I got a lot of booze last service. So you guys, you're my favorite service so far. No booze, okay? So it's good. I am a Bears fan. I was born that way. So, you know, don't fault me too much. I was born in that state, and so it's good. And I know some of you know that because in the lobby a few times, there goes the Bears fan. I've heard you say that. So, you know, good thing we're talking about forgiveness today because I've needed it on you. Um, so it's good. But, uh, no, it's been awesome, and we've had an awesome time here getting to know so many of you at Life Church, And we've been really just spending the last few months getting immersed and, and talking to so many of the staff and everything about how it works. And it's been awesome. I just think you guys are an incredible church. And so we're really blessed to be here. And I'm honored to be able to speak to you in our continuing series, I Am His. And we're going to be talking in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, so if you want to grab your Bibles out, we're going to turn to chapter 4, verse 25. And that's where we're going to start today. And uh, so it's going to be on the screen for you here. Uh, I have my iPad and uh, I also have my paper Bible because I'm just saying if your iPad dies, you need a word from the Lord, what happens? So that's why we got both of them up here and uh, that went over way better in the last service. Um, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 uh, says, Therefore, each of you must put off all falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must no longer steal, but must work, doing something usefully with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their own needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And this is the verse that just accompanies everything we're going to talk today. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, that we would see you and we would know you more. And God, I pray that we would just continually seek your word out as we've been walking through this book. Continue to show us what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. So how many golfers we got in the room here at 1045? All right, we got some golfers. It's good. It's good. I, I like to play golf. It's just nice to be in a good lawn 
drive and cut grass. It just, it just feels good to be out there, okay? Anyone else agree? It's just nice to be out there. It's quiet. It's good. And uh, I'm, I'm not as bad uh, as I used to be, and so I'm going to tell you about my first story golfing. Now, I grew up in the south side of Chicago, pretty far south. We had uh, cornfields on all sides, but it was tough corn, um, really tough corn. And uh, so we had that on all sides, and, and what we used to do is we used to just hit golf balls into the fields, Super fun, and I, I want to have you think that I hit them a lot farther than I actually did, but, you know, we'll leave that up to your imagination. So we hit them pretty far, and it was fun. We would do that. My dad only had two rules. He said, don't hit it near my house, and don't ever hit it to where it could curve and hit my house. Those are the only two rules he had, and I usually abided by those. But one day, I said, you know what? I'm feeling good. So I went out there, and I got my 7-iron, and I was just hitting wagons and pools and all this stuff. I mean, I was, I was pinpointing everything I wanted. I mean, I was feeling good. You know what I mean? Some of you are judging my swing right now. Come on. So you just, I was feeling good. I was hitting it good. I got my 7-iron. You all have your club, you know. It, it's that, that special club to you. So I was hitting it good. So I went out there, and I was like, you know what? There's that tree. I'm going to pinpoint that tree. I'm going to hit it. So I line up. I get ready. I'm like Phil in the British Open right now. So I'm getting ready, and I just, I just swing, and I hit it. And I'm telling you, I flicked the club. I felt good. I'm looking at it, and I'm like talking to myself, yeah, you did. And then all of a sudden, I think, oh, Lord Jesus. Because what I didn't tell you is 10 feet past the tree was our driveway. And so I see the ball, and it's in the air, and I'm thinking, Oh boy. And I'm panicking and I'm praying. And I'm doing the Carlton Fisk. I'm like, fair, 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 get over. And I'm telling you, prayer works because I didn't hit the windshield, okay? I hit the side window and just crack. You just hear it. It just explodes. And I think, no, what was the two rules that I had? Really one rule, but put in two places. What did I have to do? So I run over and I, and I get in the car. You know, it was a Wednesday and we were going to church and like any good church kid, I want to get there early. So, cause I want to really minister and, and pray before I go to church. And, um, and so I get in there, and, and I grab my Pro V1, because, you know, homie only plays with the best. And um, shout out to Pro V1 online if you want to sponsor me. I'm good. And, uh, and so I put that in my pocket, and, I, you know, and I'm covering it with my elbow. My whole family gets in, and I, I'm like, yeah, you know, no one noticed. Everyone gets in, and no one notices. And I'm like, this is great. And then all of a sudden my dad goes, Jeffrey, were, were you hitting golf balls? I'm like, no. Are you serious? He's like, why is my seven out on the grass? And I'm like. Oh, you're right. I was hitting them. I was hitting the field as normal. He goes, really? Why is my back window broken? <laughs> oh, boy. I didn't have anything to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I broke the back window, and I tried to cover it with my elbow. What was I thinking? I mean, seriously, how was I not going to get caught? I mean, it's ridiculous. But he would forgive me then, and my parents would continue to forgive me over the next few years. And 10, 15 some of you are like, how old is this guy? 10, 15 years, they would forgive me. Not just in that moment, but in every moment. And uh, they chose forgiveness because forgiveness is a choice. And uh, I didn't make it easy on them, okay? So parents, don't just turn to your kid and elbow them, right? You didn't make it easy on me either, okay? You know, I didn't make it easy on them. I made it hard on them to forgive me because I threw many balls at garage doors and broke many things. And so that I didn't make it easy on them, but they always chose forgiveness. They always chose to forgive me and move forward. And so what I want to talk about today is the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is I am forgiven. And I want to unpack this thought, and it's this, that forgiveness is the well from which all life flows. 
I believe Christian life is this way, but I do believe all life. Forgiveness is the well from which all life flows. When Paul is addressing the church in Ephesus, he's talking to them um, in the second half of this letter about what it means to follow Jesus and how to follow him well. And so we're going to read in verse 25, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. I had a professor in college, and he would say, when you see the word therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. Okay, amen. So that's what it means. What, what he's saying is, what we talked about last week with Pastor Aaron, he said, I am new, I should act different. So Paul is saying, therefore, since I spoke about that up there, now I'm telling you, speak truthfully to one another. And, and before we go any further, let me say, speak truthfully does not mean tell them like it is, okay? We all have that, you know, it is what it is, person, tell them like it is. That's not what he's talking about. Why? We are members of one body. We are members of one body. You're going to speak to someone in your family a lot differently than you're going to speak to someone in the street that you may never see again, right? And if you're saying, I would tell them both off, maybe you should take some extra notes today, okay? So you, I would tell them both off. But speak truthfully does not give you just a right to be rude, because we're members of one body. But also, here's why. If you don't have a relationship with someone, what you're saying is, nor is not really ever heard rationally. It, it, what you're saying should be held in the confines of a relationship. Relationship is what builds trust. It's what builds um, encouragement. When you have that relationship with someone, it builds that trust. And if you want someone to hear something that you're saying rationally, now, Paul is not saying don't speak truth because they're arguing. He's not saying don't stand up for what you believe in, but he's saying we are members of one body. If you're going to speak truth, do it in the confines of relationship. If you're going to, to go after someone about something that's going on, I'm telling you, an email may not be the way to do it. It happens at the dinner table. I think we need to get back to that. It happens at the dinner table. Truth happens at the dinner table. It happens in the confines of a relationship. In this culture of social media, we can send an angry email. We can send a passive-aggressive Facebook post. I'm sure no one's in the room ever done that, okay? We can send a passive-aggressive Facebook post, a tweet, whatever, and we're, we're saying all these things. It becomes white noise. And if you really want to connect, you have to personally invest. That's what I found out. If you really want to make an impact in someone's life, you have to have a personal investment. And that happens at the dinner table. It happens in the confines of a relationship. Paul's saying, speak truth. That's good. We want you to step away from the falsehood. But what I want you to do is speak truth in love because we are members of one body. We are in this thing together. Paul goes on to say, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I believe that there is righteous anger. There's righteous anger out there because I have some of my own righteous anger. I hate human trafficking. Every 30 seconds, someone is stolen into human trafficking and their life is never the same. I hate it. And Milwaukee is actually the third largest place in the nation where that happens to, to children and young boys and young, young girls. And it's heartbreaking. And so what I did was we had this thing called 30 for Freedom where we ran 30 miles and we raised $30,000 to give to organizations that help get these kids out of these brothels and, and get them into healthy families. Because if you want to have an impact, you need to have a personal investment. I believe in righteous anger. If, if you hate world hunger, 
Give to missions. Go on a missions trip. I believe you should do something about it. If you have a righteous anger, I believe you should feed it. Now, you must understand, though, righteous anger can even be sinful depending upon how we act. How we act upon that righteous anger decides. So Paul is speaking to this church, and he's saying unrighteous anger. He's talking about they would argue over theology, legalistic views of circumcision, and all these different things. They would be arguing back and forth. And Paul would say, listen, listen. You, you, don't, you have to not be sinful in that. And because here's the, here's the reality. Anger can take a beneficial conversation and turn it into a detrimental conversation in one moment if we allow it to. Being angry over who's right and who's wrong was happening then, it's happening now, and it's going to happen forever. I'm not saying don't stand up for what you believe in, but what I am saying is in your anger, do not sin. We are members of one body. Touch your neighbor, tell them we're in this together. We're in this together. Online campus, I know you're doing better than that. We are in this together. We are members of one body. Anger, you know how I know that? Because anger is something that I struggled with, something that I deal with. I've gotten to that place of anger and I've allowed myself to get to that place, and I see the person on the receiving end of my anger getting more and more hurt as I take that out on them. I've gotten to that place more often than I ever want to admit. And I've seen it hurt. And I know that there's some of you in the room that you've gotten to that place of anger with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, with your coworkers more times than you want to admit. Listen, maybe it happened on the way into church today. The parking lot, that's a war zone when you have kids. I've seen it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Trying to get them into life, kids. We're late. You know, I understand. I don't have kids, but I sympathize with you. And that's one of the reasons that I'm continuing to wait. Um, So, but I understand. We all need that. The anger was something that I struggled with. I love what Pastor said last week. Don't react. Many times in our reaction to things, we say things that we don't even think or mean. I've said things to people in my anger that I don't mean, that I don't think, and that I would never say again. But I'm reacting to the situation. And, and what I'm thinking is, well, this is, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. No, in your anger, do not sin. We are members of one body. If you cut off the leg, the body can't walk. We're members of one body. We are in this together. Stop reacting. Forgiveness is an action. Forgiveness is not a weakness. Forgiveness is a strength. If you're someone who is constantly giving grace and forgiveness, someone might say, hey, you're getting run over. No, you're having a strength that other people are not strong enough to hold. It's a conscious decision to say, I'm going to forgive you. And I'm sure everyone in the room has someone that we can forgive. You know, if you want to think about that, maybe. And if you can't think of anyone, you're the person that needs forgiveness, okay? And so if you can't think of anyone, that's what it is. But you can think about that, and it's like, okay, when was the last time I forgave them? If you can remember the last time you forgave them, you haven't really forgiven them. Well, I'm holding this against them. I'm holding that against them. Well, if you can remember the last time you forgave them, I don't know if you really forgave them. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is an action. I love what Paul says here, and this has been abused by preachers for years, so don't allow, the, don't give the devil a foothold, right? Or don't allow the devil to get a foothold. Now, since this man said, hey, come up to the altar right now or the devil's going to grab a hold of your foot. Like literally, I used to have bad dreams that the devil would grab my foot from underneath the bed and rip me underwards. You know, it's like, no, I don't think that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying this, forgiveness un- or unforgiveness is an open door. 
Unforgiveness is an open door. Listen, you're a child of God. The devil doesn't get footholds. He's given footholds. He can't steal anything that you don't give him. He can't steal anything from you. You're a child of God. And so when, when you look at this verse, it's, I, I believe it's really talking about bitterness and unforgiveness. It's an open door. Because I've sat at altars with people that have been hurt, abused, profiled, cut deeper than I've ever seen. And I've seen them do the seemingly impossible thing, which is to forgive. And when they forgive, what I see is their freedom. Anyone who's been hurt, you understand this. And you've actually taken the step to forgive because forgiveness is a strength. And you come up to the altar, and I've seen it, and I've cried with these people, and I've prayed with these people, and I've seen the hurt that they've gone through, the things that I would never wish upon anyone. Maybe someone in this room today, you're sitting here, and that's happened to you. And I would encourage you to make the seemingly impossible thing that you think could never happen and will never do forgiveness. I believe that holds your freedom. Because unforgiveness is like a desert where we slowly dehydrate. We, we're, we're almost holding a cup of water, but we're standing in a desert asking people for a drink. It's like a prison where you lock yourself in and you're holding the key. Unforgiveness, I've seen what it's done. It hurts people. It holds you back. Look what Paul says in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If forgiveness is the well from which all life flows, then bitterness is the drought that dries life out. If forgiveness is the well from which all of life flows, then bitterness is the drought that dries it out. It dehydrates you out. I, uh, I went to North Central University up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, I was, I was, when I was in my sophomore year, I lived in a very small room with four guys, okay? So that was a recipe for disaster, okay? It was, it was bad. And in the, in the name of holiness, we got in a lot of arguments, okay? It was like, you left your towel out again. Are you kidding me? You know, it was, it was crazy sometimes. I mean, it was nuts. And any of you who went to college with the dorm life, I mean, it's awkward. It's in a weird stage. And so it was, it was no fun sometimes. But I had four particular roommates, and we got along well and then... Not well. And uh, after that one sophomore year was over, we moved on. I moved to a different floor. Everything left fine. And uh, they moved to a different floor. And with uh, the friendships that we had, there's a lot of connections. And one of the friends came up to me one time and said, Hey, um, I just want to let you know your old roommate, he's talking about you. I'm thinking, What's he saying? So I asked him, He says, Yeah, he's talking about you, spreading lies, things that you're doing. You're not, he's saying you're doing them, but you're not doing them. He knows you're not. And I got mad. And I'm telling you, in college, I was a spitfire. You can ask Pastor Nate, okay? Now, Pastor Nate, don't tell him too much, you know? But I'm just saying, I was a spitfire. I was jumping all over, intramural basketball, throwing elbows. I mean, it was awesome, you know? It was great. And, um, and I was spitfire. And so immediately my first thought is, I'm going to clock him. That's literally what I thought. I was like, all right, let's do this. And I was like, you want to you wanna bring out the dirty laundry? I got some. Let's go. I got something on you, buddy. So I got all upset. And, and, you know, and because of holiness and, and, and at a Bible college, I couldn't punch him, so I went to the prayer room. And um, <laughs> it's because that's what you do. And, uh, and so I went to the prayer room, and I was like, God, help me. Can I just, I just want to punch him once. Can you just let it happen? And he's like, nope. And uh, I was, he's like, pray for him. And I'm like, are you serious? 
the GPS isn't off. This guy needs to pray for someone. Why don't you talk to him about that, you know? And he's like, all right, you want to be that way? Now pray for him and pray that I would bless him. Dang it, I should have done the first prayer, you know? Should have listened to you the first time. So I began to pray. I prayed for this guy, not only in that moment, but in continuing moments. I prayed for him. Every time I saw him, I prayed for him on a daily basis. A few months later, everything has gone away. I was like, ah, I don't even think about it anymore. I see this guy in the bathroom. He's, I'm washing my hands. It's kind of awkward. He comes up, and I'm like, what's up? He's like, hey. He's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know I was talking about you. And I said some things that were lies, and they were wrong, and I shouldn't have said them, and I'm sorry. And I was like, okay. You know what? I forgive you. And I actually meant it. Because I had prepared my heart through praying and through the forgiveness of that I was getting in the prayer room for him. So I actually meant it. And I walk out of the bathroom and I'm like, geez, Lord, I should listen to you more. He's like, I told you so, you know. And he's like, yes, you should listen to me more, you know. I need that today. I receive it. So it's just, it's good. And, and that forgiveness that I had and praying for him, it didn't only benefit me. It benefited him. And the people that you're thinking, well, I don't want to pray forgiveness. I don't want anything to benefit them. It's going to benefit you, but I bet it will benefit them as well. It's something good. Paul says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. The easiest time to talk about that guy was right after I heard it. I was like, yeah, I got this. No, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That's the easiest time to talk about someone. I didn't, there's, that always hasn't been my story. I don't want you to stand up here and be like, man, he's a really good Christian, okay? Because it's just, that always hasn't been my story. I always haven't forgiven. I always haven't asked for forgiveness. But as I am new, I should act different. I'm stepping into the lens of forgiveness. I'm stepping into a different attitude towards others. I'm stepping into a different thing. I'm new, so I have to act different. Jesus forgave me, so then I must forgive. Forgiven people forgive people. Jesus forgave me. He died for me when I was still sinning, when I was spitting in his face. He died for me. And because he did that for me, then I must do it for others. It is my position in Christ that changes my posture towards others. It is my position in Christ that changes everything. It changes the game for me. It changes my posture. I went from this to this, you know? I mean, it changed everything for me. It changed everything. There's times that I haven't done this, and, and it's held me back. I haven't forgiven, and it's held me back. And I've even been convicted by this message, where I've had to text people this week and be like, man, can we talk? Because I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff inside of me. And I just want to talk, and, and I want to move forward from this. Paul says this, and this is very important. Speak to those for their benefit. We don't speak truth to someone in the way of it is what it is. We speak to them that it's beneficial for them. Now, I said last service, uh, you know, I, and this service, I'm from Chicago, you know. So Chicago people, we like to tell it how it is, you know what I mean. My dad even has a shirt that his friends bought him that says it is what it is because he said it so often, okay. And so, you know, don't too much judgment because he's actually here today. So, yeah, love you. Um, you know, so it, it is what it is. I mean, he just always says it. And I, so I always said it. It is what it is. Now, your personality is not a right to speak to people however you feel. It's not. Because you can say, well, I'm a straightforward person, so I'm going to tell you like it is. Well, I'm in Christ, so I'm going to act different. 
and, and I'm going to be different. And I'm going to speak to them different. Why? For their benefit. Why? Because we are members of one body together. We're going for the same goal. We're going to make heaven full and hell empty in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. That's what we're going for. So we speak truthfully to them, beneficial to them. When, when people would come to me at the U of M, that's where we were. We were missionaries before this. And so these college kids would have all these things. And I would say, here's one thing. Can I speak authority into your situation? Because when, some, when you ask someone to speak into your life, you're giving them authority to say certain things. So I would always ask that. Here's an easy way to benefit those around you right here. Ask questions. So simple, right? It is hard. Listen, I'm from the Midwest. I get this. Midwest people, this is what we do. We say sarcastic things to your face and great things behind your back. That's what we do. I mean, we all do it. We just say, hey, man, oh, you know, that, that was okay. You know, oh, good shot, buddy. And behind the back, you're like, they're really good at basketball. You know, like, that's what we do. You all know it. You know, we all know it's true. It's okay. I get it. But ask questions. My wife's great at this, right? When we were dating, we'd go on dates, and she would just ask me, like, 200 questions about my life. I just want to know you. And I'm like, babe, you're amazing. You know, like, and then I leave the conversation not asking her a single question, and I'd be like, dang it. <laughs> so now after three years of marriage, I'm starting to figure out that I need to ask questions. How are you? What's going on? Listen, ask a grandparent about their grandkids and just sit and listen. It'll be a long time, okay? You know, they got 400 pictures on their phone. It's good. They're proud. They love it. Ask questions. How are you? How, how are you spiritually? How are you financially? How can you benefit someone? Simply ask and listen. Here's a, here's a, here's a ratio for talking. If you're in a 30-minute, say you go to coffee with someone. 30-minute coffee date, we can say it. Coffee date. It's a good way to start. Coffee date, youth. This is what my ratio is when I'm really trying to say, hey, I want to speak into your situation. I talk for seven minutes. They talk for the rest. Because what we do is we, we love to talk about ourselves. I love to talk about myself. It's great. But... We have to understand if we're speaking beneficially to build people up, we have to know who they are and know what they're going through. Before you can speak rationally in someone's situations, you have to understand the different avenues that they've been through. Maybe they've been through something in the past that changes their perspective, but you will never know that unless you ask. So ask questions. Ask questions. Finally, in verse 31, it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Woo, that's good. That's good stuff. That's a gospel right there. I want to tell you a story. It's in Luke 15. Many of you probably know it as the prodigal son. I want to actually flip it, and I want to talk about it as the forgiving father because I believe that gives a better perspective of what's actually happening. So it's in Luke 15. You can read it later if you've never read it, um, The Forgiving Father. And, you know, I'm going to kind of go through it and summarize a little bit. It's going to be the JLV, the Jeff Lister version. You will not find it in the Resource Center, okay? And uh, please don't be mad at me because that is not heretical, I promise. And so, um, yeah, so I'm going to kind of give you a little summarization, just to kind of my picture. This is what I think about when I read this story. So there's a, a wealthy father. He's got two sons. The older son is steady, faithful. He does his job. He does what he's told. The younger son is kind of crazy. He's kind of wild. He comes up to his dad. He's like, Dad, listen, I'm going to make it rain. I want my money right now. He's like, show me the money, okay? His dad's like, all right, I'll give you your inheritance. I'll give you the money. So he goes out, and he spends all of his money on wild living. Now, 
he, he spent it on partying. I mean, he bought Lamborghinis. I mean, he did everything he wanted to do. He went out and he lived like he wanted to live. It got to a point where his money ran out, as it always does, and there was a famine in the land, and he was in need. So what did he do? He hired himself out to work for someone. And what did they put him in charge of? Feeding the pigs. Now, this is a Jewish boy. That would have been very, very dishonoring. But he has nowhere else to go. It says after a while, he comes to the point where he's feeding these pigs. He's so hungry, he wants to eat what these pigs are eating, the slop. He wants the slop. He's like, man, this is crazy. My father's servants, they always have more than enough food. They always have food to eat. I got to go home. So, you know, as all of us kids do, he gets out his legal pad. And he, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry. I, oh, that's not good. Dad, uh, forgive me. I'm your son. Remember when you played catch together? You know what I mean? He's just forgetting that he's walking home. Meanwhile, the father's at home. And I, I just imagine this guy um, sitting on his porch. The father watches his son go off into the horizon. He's sitting on his porch and he's just rocking. He's just waiting for his son to come home. The older brother comes by and he says, Dad, are you serious? He, he, he just threw a party. I mean, he, he's going crazy, Dad. He bought a Lamborghini. How, what is this happening? What? And his dad's like, I just want him to come home. Just waiting. Just rocking. Just waiting. Days go by. Months go by. Years go by. The, the older brother comes back. He's like, Dad, he's working with pigs. He's embarrassing us. He's an embarrassment to our name. Can you believe that, Dad? Dad, you know what? I hope he never comes home. And the dad says, son, I just want him back. I just want my son. I just want my son to come home. That's it. I want my son to come home. One night, the father goes to the porch as he always does. He sits down. He's rocking. He's waiting. He's praying. And scripture tells us that in a distance... He sees his son. He sees his son. He jumps out of the seat. I mean, he's like running a race. He's running to his son. He gets to his son. He's kissing his son. He's hugging his son. He's all over that awkward PDA that no one wants to see. He's all over his son. And his son's like, Dad, I got something I want to say to you. I'm not good enough to be your son. The dad says, no, forget that. Give him a robe. Give him a robe. Come on, get him a ring. Get, a ring is a sign of authority. That's like the kid coming back with his American Express card maxed out and the dad saying, here's my American Express black card. I'm giving it all back to you, baby. Then he said, give, me a, give, me, give him some sandals. He needs something to walk on. I don't like the way his feet are looking. Come on, let's order in some Manny's Steakhouse. Let's get some good food in the place. I'm throwing a party. My son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. He's come back. The father just looks at him and in a moment forgives everything and reinstalls him as a son. Now the older brother saw this all happen. And in that moment, he's angry. He's bitter. He's mad. Because bitterness will dehydrate you out and dry you out. He's, his heart is hard. And he looks at his older brother. Dad, I can't believe you would do this for him after what he did to us. Father said, no, I just want my son home. That picture is what Jesus has done for you. That picture is what Jesus has done for me. He saw me walking. He saw you walking from a long way off. And he ran to you and will take you to a place that you never could have gotten on your own. 
Today, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to turn and I want to come back to him. Or maybe I want to go to him for the first time. If that's you, in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But for others in the room, you have someone that you need to forgive. Or maybe you need to go to someone for forgiveness. My only question is this. Are you going to respond to that person like the father or like the brother? The father prepared his heart. The father prepared his forgiveness. He was filled with joy. The brother held on to his bitterness and he was filled with hate. He was filled with anger. Which one are you? Because I have to consciously tell myself, God, I need to be like the father. I need to forgive. It's a moment. It's a strength. It's easier to step away and to be bitter than it is to step into a conversation and be vulnerable. So at this time, I'm going to ask that all heads bowed and eyes closed, and I'm going to give you those two ways to respond. First one is this. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I'm not running anymore. I'm giving it all back to him. I want to turn, and I want to go to him. If that's you today in this place, so I know who I'm praying for, would you just lift up your hand? Say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Yeah, I see that hand. See that hand. God bless you. Yeah, give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? Just turn to him. Yeah, I see that hand. See that hand. Church, we're gonna, I'm going to ask that you would pray with us as we just go through a simple prayer out loud for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ for the first time. And so I'm going to ask you to just pray this along with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I turn from my old ways to trust in you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I accept that new life and walk with you. Amen. I'm going to give another opportunity for those of you in the room who say, I need to forgive someone or I need to go and ask for forgiveness. I believe that this hits every single person in the entire room, me included. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go about this. But I think if you need that forgiveness, I'm going to pray for you. And I just want to know who I'm praying for. So we close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm just going to ask that you would respond to this today. So if you need that, you say, I need, a, I need help forgiving or I need to ask for forgiveness. If that's you in this place, would you just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, so many hands. Awesome, awesome. God bless you. So many hands, awesome. Well, I'm just gonna pray. My hand is raised in that situation. I know I need forgiveness and I need to ask for forgiveness. So I'm gonna pray for us. God, I pray that as we step into these conversations and as we say, I'm sorry, and, or as we receive that forgiveness, Lord, I pray that you would give us strength. I pray that you would give us peace. I pray that you would help us as we step into those conversations. Lord, give them a tender heart. Give me a tender heart, God. Help me to look at this through the lens of forgiveness and not through the lens of bitterness. Lord, help me to step with them and to show them what you did for me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.